Open your Bible to 2 Chronicles 2020. Every year the Lord has been speaking for about the last eight years, clear prophetic words of what he has designed for the year. The Bible says that God will do nothing unless he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. Now that doesn't mean that prophets are a special class of people. It simply means that their designation and design is to hear and declare to the people. So everyone has a job. Your job doesn't make you special. It just that's your job. And what has happened to many of us in the body is that we have not actively had prophets telling us what the Lord was saying for a season. We had prophets telling us about what God wanted for us, but we weren't hearing about seasons. The main job of the prophet in scripture is to release and ignite a season. Ah. The main job of the prophet is not to give you a personal word. Although they are supposed to the main job of a prophet according to Old Testament seasons and cycles and New Testament examples where prophets were dropped into your life to change the season you were in. God makes it clear when he's talking to Moses and he speaks to the entire nation of Israel when he's bringing them out of Egypt. And this is what he said. He said, this day shall be the beginning of a year for you. They were in the middle of a different month, four months into another year. And God said, tomorrow is January 1st, even though your calendar says it's April. And God says, the reason you're going to make a new calendar is because I'm teaching you the principle that when a word hits your ear, your season changes. Your season doesn't change when it looks like it changes. It doesn't change when the finances show up. It didn't change because you finally got the job. It didn't change before because you finally got married. It didn't change because everybody finally starts liking you. Your season changed the moment you believe the word. Your season changes. The Lord says, so I need to build into the heart of a nation that your calendar is not your prison. Come on, Patrick, come on, come on, man. Listen, we're going to walk somewhere tonight. You've got to get in your mind. Your calendar is not your prison. Your history is not your reality. You've got to get into your mind that who you were is not who you are. The moment the word of God hits your ear, your life changes. So when God speaks, if you take it as a word from God, God said, wherever I find faith, that's where I'll be seen. He says, if I find faith in the earth, God is looking for faith. The Bible is clear. I've taught on this before, but God, the father, the son, and the Holy ghost, the Bible says each one is looking for something. It says the father, Jesus says the father is looking for what? John chapter four. He's looking for worshipers. The father is always looking for worshipers in the old Testament. He was looking for who would give him a lamb, a ram, a bullock or a goat. He was looking for whoever would build him an altar. He was looking for whoever would bring him into his house. He was looking for whoever would show up in Jerusalem at the seven times of sacrifice and feast. He was looking for worshipers and he was so busy looking. He said, I can't scour the earth looking for you. So meet me in Jerusalem. He said, I'll know you when you walk in worshiping. I'm looking for worshipers. Jesus made it clear. He said, I'll tell you what I'm looking for so you don't have to guess. When the son of man comes again, shall he find faith in the earth? Jesus is looking for faith. 
from the moment the anointing hit his life for three and a half years everywhere he went he was looking for faith and Jesus seeing their faith said unto him rise and be healed and Jesus seeing their faith said who has touched me for he felt virtue go out of him every time Jesus stopped it was because faith caught his attention he's looking for faith if he sees faith, you can stop him in his tracks. I don't know about you, but every now and then I need to make God change his direction. I need God to just come find me. I need God just to stop what he's doing for everybody else and drop in my house. So I'm going to show him faith until my house becomes his new address. I'm going to show him faith till miracles start finding me. I'm going to show him faith till my family start acting right. I'm going to show him faith till everything promised gets in my life. He's looking for faith. But the Holy Ghost is looking for something different. The Bible says the Spirit of God goes to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for someone on whom he might show himself mighty. It says the eyes of the Lord. We understand in the book of Revelation the eyes of the Lord are the seven spirits of God speaking of the movement of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is looking for availability. Whoever will yield, he'll use. So what is the Holy Ghost looking for? Yielded vessels. He said, you ain't got to be perfect, just let me. You ain't got to have your whole life together, just let me. You ain't got to be the most smart person in the room, just let me use you. You ain't got to know all the scriptures, just let me speak through you. You ain't got to have the hands of a prophet, just have the hands of a servant. And if you'll let me, I'll anoint you to change your world. He's looking for somebody, somebody, somebody. He's searching through generations. He's looking through neighborhoods. He'll walk through a church and move past 500 and find one who says, whatever you say, I'll do it. Wherever you send me, I'll go. Whatever you want to do, yes, Lord. He's looking for somebody. Hey. I told him years ago, you ain't got to look far. I'm right here. Right here right here all right now for those of you that need interpretation right here <laughs> I'm from the south and I'm black we save consonants when we can <laughs> so since God is looking for worshipers now let's tie it together. That means God says, I'm looking for a worshiper with enough faith to make themselves available. He says, so if you got the faith to worship me and be available, everything I got, I'll drop on your life. Ah, yes. I don't know about y'all, but some of us need to just make a decision this year. I'm going to stop trying to figure it out. I'm going to stop trying to analyze it. I'm going to stop waiting for God to give me 20 confirmations and 15 dreams, five more visions and three more prophets. I'm going to stop telling God he's got to let it rain on this side of the car, but that side dry. I'm going to stop telling God, let my phone ring three times and let it be this sister I ain't talked to in years. I'm going to stop telling God, well, when I wake up and the sun is right this in the sky and a bird flies past my window and at that moment, a small midget carrying a flag waves in my... Stop it! 
Because y'all know if we're not careful, we get strange. So this is the year. Don't be strange. Can you be spiritual and not be strange? <laughs> I lost some of y'all right there. You like, I like being strange. I like being strange. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. See, that's why some of us, we have miracles, but no friends. Because you've cultivated your faith, but not your character. <laughs> so God says, don't spend all of your time trying to be super spiritual. Spend all of your time just being a believer. And if you believe, these signs will follow them that believe. You don't have to be weird to have God use you. You just got to believe. What does that mean? So while God is giving you miracles, clean your house. While God is giving you prophetic words, make sure you know where your kids are. While you telling everybody you married to the Lord, could you fix your marriage? Why? Because as we enter this year, we have to keep the strength of our testimony. And we cannot have a testimony that produces hearing ears in a generation that needs to hear if we are not willing to first fix ourselves. So this is the year where we're not going to use God as an excuse to be strange. Is this helping anybody? Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Because, you know, I ain't going to preach nothing different. All right. <laughs> Second Chronicles. I want us to look at something. We're going to look at a passage of scripture we've heard many times. But we're going to unpack it in a different way. For this year, the Lord spoke to me clearly and said, this is the year I'm going to revisit my people. I said, Lord, you never left your people. He said, ah, I'm going to revisit my people. I said, what does that mean? He said, I'm going to put back on them what they have let life take from them. I don't know about you, but many times in the course of just living life, 2019 was a phenomenal year. We saw God do miracle signs and wonders. It was one of the greatest years in ministry that I've ever had. But it was also a year where I had to practice what God said at the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year, the Lord said 2019 would be a year where you heard sound counsel or you would run around yelling. So 2019 was a year filled with people yelling. Now, what we have to understand is when yelling and noise and strife fills a prophetic atmosphere, it causes prophetic people to do one of two things. You either run from it so that you can keep your heart right, or you run to it and get involved in battles that you were not called to fight. So noise is an enemy to the voice. Mm. 
That's why the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. The Lord says when he's ready to move, he doesn't need you talking while he's talking. He doesn't need you telling him how to fix it. He doesn't need you worrying while you're supposed to be worshiping because you can't have two separate noises in the same vessel. So what the enemy understood was as we were about to hit this new season, it's not just a new year, it's a new decade. We've entered a new season. It's a new cycle that has begun. As we stepped into this, the enemy's whole strategy was if I can get the body of Christ yelling, they'll be too loud to hear. Ah, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the Bible is clear that the enemy said, I know how to stop their momentum. If I can get them focused on the yelling, the noise, fighting over stuff that's not important, arguing about stuff that doesn't matter, fighting over territory that's too small for your future, arguing about an assignment that has nothing to do with your calling. If I can get them arguing and fighting about politics and sports and issues and who said what and some Instagram celebrity and some Facebook idiot while you're arguing over foolishness, you're too loud to hear. So by the time you finished arguing and you lost 10 days, 10 days, you were busy arguing and defending positions that in those 10 days, God had a word for you. So my question is how many words did we miss in 2019 because we were surrounded by noise? How many battles did we have to repeat because we didn't get still to know he was God? How many storms did we have to stay in longer than necessary because we wouldn't command our own mouth to be silent? How many in our own family did we run off because we would rather defend our position than let them talk? 2019 was a powerful season where God was trying to teach us, don't let noise kill your future. And it was a difficult season for some of us because we could not discern the difference between noise and need. Noise and need. Many times out of our need, our codependency, my need for a friend, my need to be liked, my need to be respected in your eyes, my need to be part of your destiny, my need gave permission to noise because when I should have said stop talking garbage in my ear, I could not rebuke a friend because I was desperate to have a friend. So anybody who would walk up and stand beside me, I let them have that position because I'd rather have crazy in my house than be alone and be sane. So the Lord took us through a year where he was sifting relationships. How many of you noticed in 2019, as you got toward the end of the year, there were some friendships you started with that they ain't there no more. And how many of you are happy they gone?
That's a one less friend praise. You hear me? Every now and then you got to thank God for one less friend. Because <laughs> some people aren't your friends. They are your assignment. And if you don't keep that clear, assignment means I am supposed to minister to you until you get healthy. Friend means I'm supposed to give you permission to speak into me. If you let an assignment speak into you, they will eventually infect you with what you were sent to heal. So now you're carrying the thing you were sent to fix. And they get healthy and now you crazy. <laughs> now you in your house talking to yourself about them. Looking crazy. In your own house with a cup of coffee. I can't believe they said that to me. Flipping on all your lights and you know ain't nobody in there but you flipping on all your lights. Uh, this just don't make no sense. I just don't understand what's going on. You done worked yourself into insanity. Because you would not tell some people no. So as we enter 2020, you have to be clear that some people are not called to run with you. And I'm going to say this as I get into this word, because we're not going to teach long. I want to get into it and release it because we got to release some things tonight. As we enter into this year, God is calling many of you to love everybody, but shorten your friend list. What does that mean? You've got to pray and ask God, who did you really call me to run with? Some of you, your friend list would be longer, but you're still mourning people he took from you. That's the other side of this. God planted some of us in the right position with the right people and we can't connect to them or walk with them or go into our future because we're still grieving people God took from us. Because he knew you would not mature with them around you. But we can't connect to the new because you're still grieving the old. So God sent the people who would walk you into destiny. And now here you are moving back to the same place he pulled you out of. Abraham, come out so I can bless you. And you're going back to the same people, the same places, the same issues he delivered you from. Because you won't face the fact your soul is lonely. Loneliness is not fixed by people. Loneliness is fixed by identity. When you finally believe who you are, if I'm by myself, I like me. If I'm hanging out with everybody, I like me. Why? Because if you don't like you, you can't love anybody else. So the first key of receiving sonship in God is acknowledging he's made you someone worthy of love. So you must first begin to love you. Or you cannot actively give love to another. 
I'm saying these things because I believe as we go into this year, we've got to begin to have a level of maturity and strength reestablished in ourselves because this is why revivals end, churches die, movements come to a standstill because while we're looking for God to do, we do not deal with us. And glory sits long where there is maturity. God will rest where people are mature. We must become mature. Second Chronicles 2020. Look at verse 14. Now, you know this story. This is the time when they are about to go into a midst of warfare. They have been surrounded by the children of Moab and Ammon. They have the sons of Mount Seir have risen up against them. Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. They are in a terrible situation. They are surrounded by an entire army, great in number and terrifying in display. And God suddenly needs to move. It is in this situation that we finally find this verse that we have heard quoted a hundred times over the years by preachers and teachers and those who are prophetic. It is continually said, believe the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe as prophets and so shall you prosper. And for those that have heard it over and over, but we have not looked at the context. Context is necessary for true understanding. If you pull a scripture out of context and simply keep quoting it, it will not manifest in its fullness because your mind is looking for something that the verses did not describe. So you can't just believe the Lord and be established and believe his prophet and prosper. You've got to look at the process that got them there. Let's look at the process. Verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, hearken ye, listen, Judah, and all ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not dismayed nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, somebody say tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow go you down against them. They come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Now, one more verse. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. This passage of scripture is important and essential because before we get to the place of telling everyone believe the Lord and you shall be established believe his prophets so shall you prosper we must understand in the worst situation they had ever been in surrounded by death and destruction 
people clanging instruments when the enemies would gather around them they would clang their instruments often at night and you would hear the noise of their camp come up before you because they were keeping you terrified they were letting you know at any moment we shall break loose and kill you they heard the noise of enemies they were surrounded by destruction and in the midst of this horrible situation a man named Jehaziel who was not necessarily a major prophet. This is the only prophet he only prophesied one time. He only prophesied once. We got no other prophecies. Jehaziel. Not Elijah, not Elisha, not Jeremiah. Jehaziel. Who is Jehaziel? One of the greatest prophecies given in the Bible, one of the greatest victories ever known by a man who only spoke one time. Ah, this is essential. The Lord gave me this passage and said, I need you to go through this because I need my people to understand. Some of you have been spending all of your time disqualifying yourself and not stepping into what God has for you because you don't believe I'm not qualified enough, not known enough, haven't been educated enough. But this man was only heard from one time. You don't know what day is going to be the day when God lets you step in the middle of a divine encounter. You don't know what your word will produce in someone else's life. And so God is saying to many of you, stop restricting your ministry, obedience, your crazy faith. Stop holding it hostage and just trust him. Because one word one day might turn a nation. Jehaziel. The name Jehaziel means beheld of God. Beheld of God. For the students in the room, you got to get that. It literally means to perceive and to prophesy. His name meant prophesy. One time in the history of his life, he fulfills his destiny. Your mama named you prophesy. And now when the nation is in trouble and nobody knows what to do, suddenly God says the one whose name is prophecy fall on him. And the Holy Ghost hit the one guy who had the right name. Uh, it lists his history. Jehaziel means Prophesied, beheld of God. Zechariah, his father, meant Jehovah remembers. Jehovah remembers. Benaiah, his granddaddy, his name meant Jehovah established. Jehovah established. I hope you see where we're going. The verse says, believe the Lord and so shall you be established. But the one who gave the prophecy that sparked that declaration, his granddaddy was named Established. The man who spoke it was named Prophecy. One of the greatest declarations about the prophetic ministry is found in this verse and it is unlocked by a man whose family was named according to the prophetic. 
What does that mean? Your entire history is preparing you for your ministry. Everything you went through in your life has been level upon level preparation. And to step into the fullness of what God has called you to do, you must stop hating where you came from. And recognize whether they walked in it or not, there was a call on every generation in your family. And I don't care if they was pimps. If they was pimps, then they was biz businessmen in disguise. She was a prostitute. That's a prophet who don't know her calling. He was a drug dealer. That's an apostle trying to break into territory. They had a call, but nobody ever won them. Ah, and we're so busy looking at the negative, we can't recognize the enemy corrupted what God had put in them. So you're not going to make me hate the mess I came from because there was still a call on them. They didn't say yes, but I'm going to find out whatever they were called to do, I'm going to walk in it. You got to see differently. You got to perceive differently. If we would understand that there was greatness in every generation, even if they didn't fulfill it, you can reach back and say, God, everything they didn't do, let it fall on me. Everything they didn't walk in, let me have that anointing. Everything they rejected, let it manifest in my life. How do we know that? Because Goliath was not David's giant. He was Saul's giant. And Saul hid in the tent. So when David walked up and said, I'll kill what you won't kill. That's why some of you had such great battles in 2019. You were fighting other people's giants. You were fighting giants your mama never faced and the stuff your daddy wouldn't kill. You were fighting stuff your uncle wrestled with and he dropped it on you. You were fighting stuff that everybody in your family called normal and you started to break out of it. So it rose against you and it became a battle in your life. And you thought I must have did something wrong. And that's why I'm having sleepless nights and financial issues and it's all going crazy. No, it's because you started to break out of a system that had shaped your family. So everything in your bloodline said I got to break them or they gonna set everybody free so you didn't make a mistake you a giant killer and if you understand you a giant killer I don't care what my mama did I don't care the mistakes of my granddaddy if God let me live long enough to find out I'm cold and anointed I'm gonna kill everything that tried to kill them until everybody's free I don't have time to look back and cry. I got to look forward and conquer. I don't have time to weep about their mistakes. I got to prophesy my future. I don't have time to talk about what I lost. I got to talk about what he gave me. You've got to set your vision in this year. This is not the year to sit and weep about your losses. This is the year to take ground. The only way you can take territory is you got to look back and appreciate even the people that wounded you. 
I am thankful for my wounds because they taught me how to serve God. I am thankful for the ones that hurt me because I learned how to love those who are hurting. I'm thankful for the people that left because I learned how to trust God alone. I'm so glad because what I survived became my ministry. I'm so glad. So you've got to learn how to walk through it. In this year, this is the year where everything you survive shall become your platform. Everything, everything, everything. What does that mean? Oh Lord, we got to get to the prophetic. What does that mean? It's real simple. It means as you understand that what you survived is your platform, that means in this year, you've got to be real with your testimony. Your real ministry is in your real story. So I need to say to some of the saints, all of y'all who keep editing your testimony, you give us that sweet thing when you stand up. Every time we hear you on Facebook, it's just beautiful and everything's been wonderful. And the Lord has just held you as a baby in his arms since you were born and nothing ever went wrong. And you know we know you lying. You got to know we know you lying. Because we met some of your family. <laughs> you know, it only takes one meal when you meet folks' family and you look around the table and go, oh. This is why you post old pictures. <laughs> this is why you put up flowers on Instagram. Because <laughs> if we ever saw a snapshot, <laughs> we understand. I told one friend of mine after going to their house, they were having a family reunion. He invited me over to meet his family. I went over, <laughs> great brother in the faith. The end of the meal, I looked over and said to him, you know what? I need to apologize to you. He said, why? I said, you know that time I said to you, I can't believe that you stayed drunk for 20 years. I'm amazed you sober. I said, cause after building in his house, Brother, I'm looking for rum and I don't drink. I'm like, somebody pour me something right now. I don't know how you survived this. <laughs> Some of y'all are sitting here going, I don't, can I laugh at that? Can I really? You might as well. <laughs> Because we ain't done. Now, the amazing thing is God is telling us in this hour, you have got to become okay with your history. Because if you're still ashamed of what you survived, you'll never be able to verbalize your testimony. So to tell people what you came through is the strength of your life. And to be unashamed of it. Why? You didn't form the box they put you in. But the fact that you let God help you climb out of it, that's the story. That's the testimony. 
That's the victory. They have literally been put into a situation where they cannot escape. And here comes a man named Jehaziel. He begins to speak. Prophet of God. His daddy is named remembered by God. His granddaddy is named established by God. His father above that was named swept away by God. Swept away. God swept it away. It literally means God erased my history. Swept away. Mataniah, before that means an offering. It means becoming worship. Mm-hmm. And Asaph means collector. Now I'm just going to walk you through this real quick. They go generationally from the closest all the way down to the last. But if you flip it around, because that's how foundation is built. It means Asaph is the first generation. Asaph is a collector. This is how we get to this word coming to pass. God says the first thing you have to build in your life as we go into this year, he said, is you've got to collect those prophecies, collect the promises. Collector means one who values what has been left for him. God said, as you're stepping into this new season and you begin to walk in the power of the name of God and the victory of God in this year, go back over what God threw in your life and collect it, put it together. Don't let it sit individually. Look at all the prophecies you put, heard God saying, put them together in a notebook and look at them systematically. Get all of the words he has declared over you and play them until they get in your spirit. He said, I need those who collect. What does that mean? You have a healing anointing. You ought to be collecting books on healing and studying healing ministries. God has called you to speak to people. You ought to be collecting great speeches and studying prophets and poets. God has said he's going to send you around the world you should be collecting maps and studying geography he said I know what you love by what you value so the first part of your foundation is value your future enough to collect what God gave you put it in order bring it into your house put it in your view collect it if you'll collect what God gave you God said the next thing I'll do is I make a collector produce worship his son's name was offering sacrifice worship he said collectors those who value what God is doing in their life they will always produce worship if you value what God has spoken if you value what God has done out of the value you place on his presence you will begin to release fresh worship with every encounter Every time God speaks a word to you, Father, I bless you for your voice. Every time he heals you, Lord, I thank you for your touch. You become a worshiper because you're not just receiving, you collect. I'm not just letting God come by and touch me. When he touches me, I grab his hand. I'm collecting something. I'm not just asking God to give me another job. I'm collecting testimonies of his faithfulness. I'm not just asking God to touch my family. I'm collecting every miracle so I can tell the next three generations, God touched your uncle. He touched your aunt. He saved us in trouble collecting what God is doing. A collector becomes a worshiper. He says, when you begin to collect the promises and you begin to produce new worship, then God begins to fight for you. He sweeps away your enemies. 
God said, if you stay in worship after you've collected my promises, I start moving what you can't move. I'll sweep it away. You don't have to fight it. I'll fight it. You don't have to worry about it. I'll just move it out the way. But I can't do it until you've collected my word and you've worshiped in response to my word. Then that opens up a heavenly visitation where God starts sweeping stuff out the way. This is the year where God's going to be sweeping some stuff. God's about to sweep through nations. God's about to sweep through cities. I'm telling you what I know. As we release the prophetic word, God said to me, I'm going to move through cities and nations and they will understand that my power has been loosed in a fresh and dynamic way. God is sweeping things out of the way. What happens when you sweep something? There's a wind and a force that connects together you begin to move but have you noticed when you sweep it stirs up a breeze around it God said I'm gonna start moving stuff but my wind will be felt while I'm moving I'm gonna sweep stuff up out your life I'm gonna sweep your children into an encounter I'm gonna sweep your marriage back in the restaurant I'm gonna sweep bad relationships up out your house I'm gonna sweep some stuff God said so when my spirit starts moving let me move it let me move it if you begin to let God sweep away everything that should not be in your life, God said it will produce stability. God has established. God said, I'll make you stable if you let me sweep away what shouldn't be there. Many times we suffer with instability. We suffer with dealing with our own issues and never maturing because we keep holding on to what he's trying to remove. It is not the enemy that is fighting you so much. It is the fact that God is saying you don't need that any longer. And when you hold on to what God is trying to remove, you continually live without peace. Because you're hugging what's killing you. The Lord said, would you let me sweep that away so I can make you stable? The moment we let God make us stable, God says what? Jehovah remembers. God remembered. What does that mean? It's the release of covenant power. Every time in scripture that God remembers, he sends deliverance. And God remembered Israel when he heard their cries and he brought them out of bondage from the land of Egypt. And God remembered Abraham and came down and spoke to him and put a baby in a barren womb. And God remembered Joseph when he was in prison and brought him up before Pharaoh. Every time God remembers somebody, their season changes. Every time God remembers you, he causes manifestations and miracles. I don't know about you. I know God cannot forget me, but I'm thankful for the moment when he remembers. I'm glad for the moment when he shows up he heard my prayer but he acted like he didn't hear me but when he suddenly said wait a minute it's time all of a sudden heaven began to invade earth and the winds of his presence began to move angels start breaking down situations God steps into my life and he begins to make prison doors open when God remembers a man he shifts your life when God remembers a woman she burps out a new season when God remembers your children he brings them back home when God remembers your future he gives you what the devil can't take I just need God to remember and God remembered oh I don't need people to remember me I need God to remember me I don't need you to think about me and give me something I need God to open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing I need God to remember Oh, if God remembers you, 
It don't matter who forgot you. If God remembers you, can't nobody stop your movement. If God remembers you, he'll make your enemy bless you. If God remembers you, he'll give you what nobody can steal from you. If God remembers you, he'll put power in the middle of your life. If God remembers you, he'll put fire in dry bones. If God remembers you, he'll make a prophet out of a prostitute. If God remembers you, he'll turn a liar into a lawyer. If God remembers, I just need God. Remember me. Remember me. Oh, Lord have mercy. I got to calm down. I thought I was in a black church for a minute now. <laughs> I just need some of you to know if we had a little more melanin, we'd be flipping chairs. So. <laughs> and we go from God remembered me to the last one. I can see what he sees. Beheld of God means I can see what he sees. When God begins to visit you, he changes your perspective. You suddenly see what he sees. You suddenly see beyond your past and you begin to behold your future. You stop looking at yourself and you begin to look at him. The hour has come where God is calling us to see what he sees. What does that mean? You've got to get high enough to stop responding to the stuff on this level. In this hour, going into this year, the Lord is calling us stop responding to low levels. Bible says I'm seated with him in heavenly places. If I'm seated in heavenly places, that means everything that is coming against me is already under my feet. So if I would simply stay seated, my victory would manifest as I rest in his word. But what the enemy knows is if he can make you stand up, if you get out of your seat of authority, he can defeat you legally because you are responding to him like he is your equal. Instead of simply turning your head to the throne and saying, daddy, he's still talking. He said, he said to Jesus in the word, in the Psalms, sit ye here, sit here, my son, till I make your enemies a footstool. Then the Bible declares, he says, I have seated you in heavenly places. Now, if the Bible is true and it is, if the word is true and it is, then the correlation is the moment I step into Jesus Christ, when I am born again, I step into the same victory that he received from the father. So now that I've stepped into that victory, he says, sit down. Now, sitting is not a place of immobility. It is a place of meditative rest. It means I am convinced that I am who he says I am. So I'm going to sit here and tell the enemy I'm not moving because I trust God so the enemy said the only way I can take their authority is to make them treat me like I'm more powerful than God how do I do that they believe God's a healer I'm gonna keep putting pain on them till they get up and say you know I just feel so bad and every time you step into the situation and forget the word You stopped being seated. 
And when you step up out of your seat to fight in your flesh, the enemy who's the accuser of the brethren simply goes, see, they believe I can mess up their future. They believe I'm more powerful than you. They believe the sickness can stay. See, they don't trust you. So God says in this hour, you cannot just talk faith. You've got to sit in the place of authority. Sit there and believe him. Look over your life and proclaim what God says is real. And I trust him. What does that mean? Master your mouth. If you cannot master your tongue, you cannot have your future. For life and death is in the power of the tongue. You cannot walk into a harvest of blessing when you are continually releasing seeds of destruction. The Bible says a man will live in the fruit of his words. That means you're going to eat what comes out of your mouth eventually. Please don't produce a fruit too bitter that you can't even eat it in your tomorrow. Say what God is saying. They get to this point. Now let's wrap this up. They get to the point where now we get to this word. We see the generations. It brings us to a new perspective. Now God makes it clear. He says the Levites, the Kohathites, and the Korhites. Now this specifically, Patrick, you know I, I, I researched those two for you. You know I did that. That's why I did that. Okay. The Kohathites, the name Kohath means the assembly. It means allegiance. Allegiance. Who you become friends with. Connections. Korhites, I love this. Korhite means bald. It means bald. It means no hair. Behold, I am a Korhite. <laughs> why were the Korhites, why did it mean bald head? Because they, as a group of worshipers, it literally means to shimmer like ice because they would take after they would cut their hair they would take a razor and cut all the hair off until their bald head was completely clean why because they did it as an act of i don't believe i can fully worship till i lay my glory down he says call these two to release a sound that will change a nation Call those that know how to link arms with other worshipers and call those who know how to lay down their reputation. He said, don't let anybody who's prideful get up here. Don't let anybody who's looking for a reputation, don't let them up. Don't call anybody who's still trying to make their head look like they're important. He said, I need those who will cut away their own reputation, cut off their own glory, get rid of their own need to be seen. I need them to get rid of everything that makes them them until the sunlight of my presence and the shimmering light of the candle in the temple reflects off of their head. I need some Somebody who is so yielded that the presence of
of God bounces off their life. I need someone who says yes to God until the sunlight dances on the top of their head because they have removed all individual identity. When they come together, they have one desire to make him seen. He says, if you bring those kind of worshipers into my presence, I'll make a nation turn away from you. It is in that place. Believe the Lord, your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and so shall you prosper. So what is the foundation of it? These things for this year. Number one, align yourself with humble people. Align yourself with humble people. Connect with those who are humble and who know their identity. Understanding your identity makes you bold. You can be bold and humble at the same time. He says, so find those who are humble, who know who they are, but who have made the decision to let God receive the praise for all they do. Find the humble. Second, find those who desire no spotlight. Find those who don't need to be famous. Find those who are not trying to be the most important. Find those who don't want to be the center of attention. Find those who have decided to be servants, not superstars. He said in the place that you find servants and humble worshipers, in that place, an atmosphere for victory will be created that will cause what comes out of your mouth to establish a new season. Worship, atmosphere, declaration. In the place of mature worship and humble hearts, powerful prophecies are heard. When those prophecies are released, the Lord says this is for your own lives. As you go throughout your own life, build a place of mature worship. Begin to worship God on a regular basis. As you worship him, don't worship for what you desire. Worship about his nature. Worship about his character. Talk to God about who he is. Use the word to refer to him. God loves the sound of his own word. So when you give God back his scripture, he is delighted. The Bible says he delights over the sound of his word. When you begin to speak to God, his word, God says, oh, I like how that sounds. Why? He liked it enough to write it. Why not at least speak it back to him? So the Lord loves the sound of his word. When you begin to worship God and you begin to talk about his character, his name and his word, it does something supernatural. It creates an atmosphere where the miraculous intervention of God can begin to flow unhindered because God visits his own word. The Bible says he has said his word above his name. So since his word is above his name, whenever he hears his word, his name then can produce power. You can say his name all day and never have an encounter if you don't understand it is the word that is at work and his name is the signature on the contract. If you don't know the contract and you sign, you get nothing. But if you read the contract and then sign, there is a legal authority that releases what has been given to you. So the Lord says, when you begin to read my word and quote it back to me and then speak my name, there is a legal exchange. So worship out of that place. Worship out of that place. And here's the last word I'm going to give you. 
He says they met in a place called Tekoa. Tekoa. Do you know what Tekoa means? I love this. Tekoa means the blast of a trumpet. The blast of a trumpet. When they gathered, he says, get the worshipers with the right spirit in place. When the worshipers with the right spirit got in place, Jehoshaphat did not let everybody worship. Uh, I don't have time to go through the whole thing. But the Bible is clear. He says he appointed some. Why? Because if we're going after bald heads and linked arms, that means everybody he saw throughout the year that wouldn't link arms, sit down. Why? Because it wasn't an issue, but now that we in battle, oh no, we can't run the risk of God not showing up because we got folk in front who wasn't working. Mm -mm. Oh, Pastor Melissa, am I talking right? God says, I will move according to your gift, but I'm responding to your heart. So your gift is going to bring a movement, but he won't let the gift produce power if the heart isn't in the right position. So the Lord says, before you stand up to think the gift can make something happen, are you linked up right? And have you cut away your pride? If pride has been cut away and you're linked up with his people, walking in unity, walking in agreement, walking in peace. He said, if you are linked up and you've removed your pride, Jehoshaphat put them in position. After he appointed some, it says they then began to move in unity. The place they met was Tekoa. So God released a prophetic word in a place named Trumpet. From a prophet and prophet in Hebrew is always referred to as a trumpeter. It is the one who lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Ah, so when prophets prophesy, they are trumpeting. They are the blast of the shofar. They are the sound of a new season. So God, God loves to play on words because he's the inventor of language. So God says in the place named trumpet, I'm going to bring a new trumpet that's never been played. Jehaziel, he's never made a sound like this, but I'm going to blast through a trumpet in a place named trumpet so I can release my prayer on the people who've been unified so that they can walk in victory because they got rid of their pride. He said, if you can walk like that, I'll knock down everything that's been fighting you. I'll overcome everything that's been coming against you. He said, all I need to see is can you get rid of your pride and walk with those I give you so that I can release a new sound. In every situation God puts you this year, you got to make a decision to be a brand new trumpet. What 
whatever God tell you to say, you throw your head back and declare it. Whatever worship he says release, I don't care if you in the middle of Walmart, in and out or Nordstrom's. I don't care if you shopping in Macy's or sitting in your car. I don't care if you walking down the street or in your job. You got to make a decision. I'm going to be a trumpet this year. I'm going to let God make a sound through me. I'm going to let the blast of the Holy Ghost shift the atmosphere so wherever you are, when God says, I need your voice, you can have it, God, whatever you want, and release what God is saying. And at the sound of the trumpet, the Lord suddenly shifted something. And Jehoshaphat, they had been weeping a minute ago. Now the whole nation stands up. And Jehoshaphat said, everybody get up. Believe the Lord. Believe the Lord. We're not going to cry anymore. Believe the Lord. We're not going to worry no more. Believe the Lord. We're not going to argue no more. Believe the Lord. We're not going to be afraid no more. Believe the Lord. Be not afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord shall fight for you. Believe the Lord your God and you shall be established he's gonna plant you in place he's gonna hold you where he put you he ain't gonna let nobody move you believe the lord and he's gonna plant you right where he said is yours believe the lord and the wind might come but you ain't moving believe the lord the doctor's report came but you ain't moving believe the lord your kids went crazy but you ain't moving believe the lord everything dried up but you ain't losing believe the lord ain't got no money but I got a blessing believe the Lord God said if you trust him he ain't gonna let nothing move you right where he put them believe the Lord and you shall be established look at somebody and say God's planting you he's planting you he's putting you deep in the ground He's not going to let nobody push you out. You're going to stand right where he puts you. This is the hour. I need to say this to some in the room who struggled with depression and fear and rejection the last few months. Yes, you had to go through some things and I understand that. But I say to you, don't let what you went through change how you see yourself. Your value is still there. Your worth is still there. God is still for you. God still called you. God has still anointed you. And he's planted you to give you territory this is the hour where you've got to let your head go back let your vision be clear and stand right where he puts you and begin to announce if I'm still alive I've still got victory if I'm still here I'm still gonna get my future if God is for me not against me greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world you've got to say what he said till it comes to pass believe the Lord you shall be established last part of that verse believe his prophets so shall you prosper many times we have not seen the fullness of what was promised us because the Lord said the first thing I'll do is I'll establish you when you believe me but prosperity comes when you believe the prophets ah There are many of us that have never reached that word for prosper. The word prophet is nobby. It means an instantaneous release. It means bubble up. 
It means I didn't make up this word. It means I ain't been carrying this word around just looking for somebody to give it to. It means I didn't hear this word on TBN and I'm trying to find a place to release it. It means I'm not just trying to make you feel better. Nobby means up out of the spirit. God pushed a word for you. It is an explosion of revelation into your life. It is an instantaneous release from heaven. It's a text from God. So God says, I'm going to write you a message, send you a word, and I'm going to explode it into your now. The moment that word comes, when it exploded, he says, so shall you prosper. That word for prosper is sakah. So, excuse me, salak, salak. It means to rush, advance, prosper, succeed. God is saying, when I send you a prophetic word, I'm sending the power to take territory, to succeed, to advance, to overcome. I'm sending the word that will push you into destiny. Every time a prophetic word comes, God said, most of us believe his word and we've been established. What does that mean? We're living life. We've seen him heal. We believe his power, but we have not succeeded. We keep fighting the same battles, fighting the same issues, going through the same circles. Why? Because when he sent the prophetic word, we didn't respond. When the prophetic word comes, you must respond at the word. For most of us, we hear prophecy, but we don't respond. So this is one of the keys the Lord said to release for this year. You must respond to the word. Every time they heard a prophetic word, there was a release. Whether it was worship, some went and they gave a horse or an ox or they gave a gift to the house of God, a monetary release. Others gave the sound of worship. Others went into prayer. They released something. What does that mean? David said, I won't receive something and not give something. So you've got to build into your life an automatic response to a prophetic word. The first thing that has to happen, understand that you are not supposed to be receiving from everyone who calls himself a prophet. So you have to make sure you understand the history of who you're listening to. If you keep running to every place where they call themselves a prophet, but you haven't at least prayed about their life, looked at their integrity, checked out their character, and when everything in your life goes haywire, you opened yourself up to the anointing on their life, and if they dirty, the word gonna come through dirty. It's called impartation. We don't teach on that anymore. But that's how you can have when infidelity hits a church and all of a sudden all the leaders are doing stuff that's crazy. It's because whatever's on the head gonna get on the people. By proximity, there is impartation. So when God sends a prophetic word, number one, he says through a prophet, look for prophets that you can trust. Number two, look for prophets that have a lifestyle where it can be looked at and seen that over time they're living for God. Number three, make sure that when they speak, it lines up with scripture. If the prophetic word does not line up with scripture, I don't care how good the word sounds, it is not from God. 
If they are prophesying to you and telling you, the Lord says, I understand your marriage is in trouble. The Lord says you are free. Just leave. No, no, no. We don't prophesy divorce. Even if God takes you through a divorce, the prophet is not supposed to prophesy divorce. Going through divorce is not evil. You just surviving. God's taking you out of one situation. He's going to put you into something better. But by the Bible standard, a prophet is not supposed to prophesy divorce. Prophets are not supposed to tell you where you're supposed to spend the rest of your life. Why? Because you hear God. So when a prophetic word comes, it's supposed to be a confirmation. When the prophet tells you right now, the Lord says, go do this. Hold up, slow down. Why? Confirmation. So he says when you hear, but this is the key. If you built relationship with prophetic voices and you can trust them down through the years, the greater the level of respect and history, then the quicker the response. The quicker the response. What does that mean? If you've been walking with prophets that you know and you've seen their life and you know their history, that means you are not supposed to spend the next three weeks praying about that word. If their word has been true in your life over the years, then the moment you hear, you ought to be moving. Why? Because now it has nothing to do with you waiting for a confirmation. You are simply treating them as someone who is bringing you a word instead of a legal authority who's trying to shift your season. Ah, does this make sense? We have reduced most prophets to a gift of prophecy. So a gift of prophecy comes and brings you a word in that moment and it breaks something free. But it is not a governmental release where God is shifting your season. When God is ready to shift your season, when that word comes, you've got to grab it and say, yes, Lord. When you say yes to a prophetic word, when God sends a prophet, it shifts your world immediately. There are too many people in church now who when a prophetic word comes, we collect the words, but we don't respect the voice. So we don't move on the word. We just put the word away and go, ah, if it's God, he'll speak again. If God sends a prophet, he may not speak again because a prophet is different than a prophetic word. If God sends a prophet, he's sending a dynamic moment to open your world to push you forward. So if you miss that moment, it may be another year before it comes again. That's why discern, discern. Is this making sense? Is this helping anybody? All right. Very quickly for the country. The Lord said to me in this year, I saw water flowing down the middle of the country. As I saw the water flowing down the middle of the country, all of a sudden I saw the country begin to shimmer and shake. And the Lord said, I'm going to cause a visitation to flow. The Lord said, look at the middle of the country. Look at Kansas again. Look at the middle of the country. Look at the places where I raised up prayer and prophetic knowledge years ago where I stirred them to cry out to me all night. I am going to visit again with a fresh move of God. 
all of a sudden Kansas Kentucky up through parts of Texas I saw the waters of God begin to stir the Lord said I'm gonna stir in the middle of the country I'm gonna stir their hearts and cause them to cry out and a new move of God shall be intercession and prophecy mixed together where while they're praying they will prophesy to nations and the words spoken in the middle of the night shall bring life in the middle of the day look for a fresh move of God next thing he showed me in New York the Lord is about to shake New York I saw New York literally people standing in the streets and they were talking to each other and they were arguing with each other and all of a sudden Danny came up to me today and shared this and I'm gonna have you come up and share more in a moment all of a sudden in the sky I saw New York and I saw Houston and I saw LA and in each one of those places they were looking up looking up like this and the people were praying because buildings were shaking I said Lord is it an earthquake he said I want you to tell the people begin to pray and declare that there will not be retaliation in those cities in each one of those cities I saw something exploding in the tops of buildings the Lord said I will protect if the people will pray tell the people to pray is this making sense okay so the Lord says, cover those three cities particularly. Cover them and pray. New York, Houston, and L.A., we are declaring over them, even this night, we declare in the name of Jesus that the weapon that is formed shall not prosper. We declare in the name of Jesus that the hand of the enemy shall not prevail. We declare in the name of Jesus that God will wake up law enforcement, FBI, that God will speak to them, that they will hear the right phone call and show up at the right house. We declare that in Houston, right now and in Dallas they will discover groups who are plotting and planning terrorist activity and God will expose it and it shall not prosper we declare over the port of LA in the name of Jesus that what they're trying to ship in right now shall not make it to our shores in the name of Jesus we declare a prophetic spirit over those who have the guard and the keep of our cities Lord wake them up and reveal to them dreams and visions to them let the spirit Spirit of the Lord come upon them we declare this nation shall be shielded may the blood of Jesus cover us from coast to coast in Jesus name we declare a fresh covering of the blood of the lamb we declare it so we declare it so I was in the house praying when I was at home in North Carolina and the Lord says they're praying so much about the Middle East. He said, but let me show you something. And all of a sudden I looked up and right in front of my face, I saw India. The Lord said, pray for India. Pray for them. What I saw in India, I saw people beginning to form into two groups. And I said, what am I seeing? I saw some who their heads were wrapped and they were going into worship. And as they were going into worship, they began to just get angrier and angrier and they turned. And the Lord said, those that are Christian, historically called Christian in India and those who are Hindu are going to go to war against each other. And as I saw them fighting, I said, what does this mean? He said, pray and declare peace. And all of a sudden, I saw this mist in the air and people began to get sick. And the Lord said, they're going to try to release and it's going to be in the news. They're going to try to release bio, bio, um, radioactive material. Thank you. Radioactive material was being released in the air because they were trying to kill one group. And the Lord said, pray 
And I began to declare in the house, I was declaring to the wind that the winds would change direction, that whatever was released would be blown back, that the Lord would shut it down. I'm saying this to you because you're going to see. I saw the newspaper and it was on the newspaper. The last time the Lord showed me this was before all this stuff was exposed about Russia. And the Lord, some of you remember last year when the Lord said Putin would be like a serpent and release poison. Well, that's what happened when he killed the reporters and the old agents. It was poison that they killed them. And God spoke right here last year, one year ago, that Russia would use poison against its enemies. Lord made it clear. He said, pray for they're going to try to release that material against their own people. Pray. We're declaring this. But this nation, I just began to pray. And the Lord said, I'm going to in this nation. I saw the Lord, he grabbed a rope and he was pulling the rope like this. Like you would, uh, like if you were on a boat and you were wrapping up the rope as you're coming in to shore. And God was wrapping rope around his arm. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm pulling in the line where they've had all this freedom to rebel against me. The Lord said, I'm shortening their permission. I said, what does that mean? He said, I'm going to pull this nation back into order. The Lord stood. I have to, uh, I do it like this. The Lord was standing in the waters across from the East Coast. And he was wrapping in the line. I said, Lord, what are you doing? He said, I'm shortening their line. I'm pulling this nation back into order. They shall not fight me much longer. I said, what will it look like? He said, I'm going to visit both sides. He said, Republican and them, I'm going to visit both sides and I shall humble them all. God is about to humble leadership in this nation. Hear me as prophetic voices. Your job is not to pray about one party. Your job is to pray for the nation. And this nation has to come back to God. We are not in a battle for which party is best. We are in a battle for the soul of a nation. And the Lord said, I will not let them fight me much longer. I saw a newspaper. This was all at the 10 days I was home. I saw a newspaper and on the top of the newspaper, they had bank, bank, bank said three times. When I began to read the article, I'm sitting there reading this in the vision. And it literally said, all of the monies from Russia have now been exposed. I don't know what all this means, but I know the Lord said, all of the money that came from Russia. I love our president, but I'm just telling you what I heard. The Lord said, the money that came out of Russia, that went into his hands, that caused him to be able to build what he built, I'm going to expose it because I cannot let anyone in this nation be held hostage because of debt they owe. Know what I saw. The second thing, I saw Saudi Arabia begin to do like this. The land looked like water. As the land was in upheaval, the Lord said, I'm going to shake the nation of Saudi Arabia. And one member of the family will try to take out the other members of the family. He says, pray for it shall cause all of the Middle East to be unstable for a season. While we're concerned about what's happening now, I began to see 
the hands around Saudi Arabia began to tighten up. They were trying to push Saudi Arabia back into the way they used to be. It was hard line, main line. I saw Islam beginning to find strength. And the Lord said, to save a nation, I will let family rise up against family. I said, to save Saudi Arabia? He says, no, to save Israel. I will let nation, family rise against family. I will cause their nation to become unstable because they will not turn against Israel if they have to deal with their own issues. And I was in awe of God. I said, God, you're amazing. He said, no, I am committed. He said, I told my people I'd take care of them. I'll shake the nations of the earth to protect my people. He said, and you will watch me do it. The saints are quiet now. I saw rain come down over the top of California. And it began to wash from the north all the way down to the south. I said, Lord, what am I seeing? He said, there shall be a soft rain, not a hard rain, not a deluge, not a big revival. It was a soft rain. He said, I shall bring a soft visitation of humility. He said, I'm going to let people begin to weep in my presence until hearts across this state begin to fall in love with me all over again. And I saw churches filled with people weeping all over the floor. I saw churches that didn't have preaching for like six to eight weeks at a time. Pulpits were empty as people just were weeping. The Lord said, I'm going to bring a visitation of softened hearts where I will not need men to preach. All they have to do is gather in the harvest. And I saw in the midst of the service, someone would just stand up and say, now who wants to be saved? And hands just came up off the floor. We led them to the Lord and then the Lord said, now get out of my way. And we walked off the platform and people just stayed on the floor weeping. The Lord said, I shall visit again, but it will not be a visitation of great speakers. It will be a visitation of great worshipers. They will worship until hearts break. Worship until hearts break. Oh, I don't know about you. I feel the presence of God. I say to some of you, many of you who you know you're called as worshipers and God has given you a voice to worship him or he's given you instruments to play or he's giving you the gift of putting words together this is the hour now where those songs and those words that you've been putting together and you think they don't fit because they're not this loud and boisterous and they don't do this and they're not pushing people some of you have been hearing songs from God that are so soft it sounds like ballads and where does that fit but the Lord the Lord kept saying tell the worshipers I am raising up love songs where we were singing love songs to the Lord and as we were just loving on him, people were just getting lost. The Lord said, in the midst of love songs, I will restore my children back to me. Oh, my, 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 my. Oh. Two more things. One thing I saw, I saw all of these kids in four different spots throughout the nation, kids, I mean 14 and under kids 
who were trembling and shaking and being filled with the Holy Ghost. The Lord said to me, he said, I'm coming for those who have not been taught to resist me. I'm coming for a generation that will not tell me to stop. I'm coming for those who won't get weary because they're hungry for encounters. And I saw kids while the adults were laid out on the floor. It was kids walking around laying hands on their parents. It was kids prophesying in the church. It was kids leading revival in their schools. The Lord said, I am raising up a generation that they will not be afraid because they haven't been taught religion. And they will bring the very presence of God and they will not back up and they will not quiet themselves. The last little piece I want to say, and then I just want us to enter into worship for a minute, and then we're just going to release a few things because I know as the hour goes on, if you have to leave, but I hear the Lord releasing things for people, so I want to release the ministry. The last thing the Lord said, tell my people this. Tell them that I will suddenly, suddenly come with power. All of a sudden, I saw a whirlwind. It was in the desert. I saw it in a couple of places throughout the nation, but I knew it was in the desert. I saw a whirlwind hit a service. It looked like it was about 300 people gathered. It wasn't in a church. It wasn't in a church. And I'm not saying this because there's a conference coming up. No, no, no. Because it wasn't the building where we're going to meet. So it's going to be somewhere that's going to happen in the future. I saw a building field. looked like a ballroom. And people had gathered for a service. And all of a sudden, a whirlwind dropped in the middle of the room and people started falling out all over the place the Lord said when I show up again in the desert <laughs> they will never recover and it it went out of the walls of the place and people began to go back to the churches and as they were telling people here's what happened it happened in the churches where they were telling people and all of a sudden pastors began to have the same experience and the Lord said even if they don't want me I'm going to come like a wind. Even if they don't want me, I'm going to move like a storm. Even if they don't want me, the wind of my presence will blow through the gates of worship. And I'm going to knock down everything I did not build. And I'm going to breathe on everything that's gone quiet. And I'm going to stir again dry bones. The Lord said, for there has been an impartation of worship and prophecy over the years that I cannot ignore. God is about to visit us. God is about to remember this desert. God is about to remember this valley. God has got his mind upon this place and all I know to be true is the Lord said suddenly without delay immediately I shall break through the place I shall come like a wind I shall move upon my people and they shall never recover after I come he is coming in power he's coming in glory